Welcome to Play for Keeps, a presentation of Ashland New Plays Festival. This play is the property of the playwright who reserves all rights to its use. This recording is the property of Ashland New Plays Festival, Inc., which reserves all rights to its use. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Front Room, a new play by Richard Kalinowski. Characters in the play. Tyler, a veteran of the Iraq War and student actor, 36. Sandra, a meticulously groomed theater director and professor, 52. Abby, her mother, an aged hoarder and widow, 85. Alicia, an eager stage manager and student, 21. A waitress, early middle-aged, weary and bemused. Jessica, a social worker. Time, the present. Place, a university city in the Midwest. Short synopsis. Sandra, a middle-aged woman who is a professor of theater at a small college, attempts to safeguard her irascible mother, who is a desperate hoarder. While Sandra begins preparations to direct a production of The Glass Menagerie, a clever, non-traditional student who is a veteran of Iraq enters her life. Abby, Sandra's mother, jealous and lonely, discovers surreptitious ways to obstruct her daughter's opportunity for meaningful connection. Prologue. In silhouette, a girl, 10, and her mother. Their features are not discernible. Daughter is sitting on the floor beneath a single bed. Mother sits in a convenient chair. Their recorded voices can be heard. And yet, where was the Jane Eyre of yesterday? Where was her life? Can you read softer? It's, it's not soft enough for you? Dad reads it softer. Your dad's not here, Sandy. You've got me. I know. You were falling asleep anyway. I'm wide, wide awake. Look how big my eyes are. Can you keep going? It's already late. Oh. All right. But then to sleep. Can you read that part again? Sandy, I read it once. Uh. All right. Last time. And yet, where was the Jane Eyre of yesterday? Where was her life? Where were her prospects? Jane Eyre, who had been an ardent, expectant woman, almost a bride, was a cold, solitary girl again. Her life was pale. Her prospects were desolate. What is desolate? Uh, it means alone, with no one. There, now. Sleepy, sleepy time. Good night. Good night. Dad's coming home Friday night. Friday's the day. I'm so glad. Mother stands and helps daughter into bed. A quick kiss. The lights bump out. A distant sound of jarring cellos. Act 1, Scene 1. A stage nearly vacant, except for an attractive and eager young man of 31, Tyler. He speaks, apparently, to the audience. He was like a ghost. His punchy little arms thin and dead white. His fingers, sticks poking into the air next to her, coming the rest on her face. In that room, a piercing quiet, like none of us were there, but of course we were, fretting, all of us, except you, Paul. She was dying. Our grandfather didn't know it, and he had this, this grotesque caress and a fierce smile which was at war with his puffy, wet eyes. He knew little. He knew her, 
his wife of 56 years. He wasn't much good for anything. He could find his way to bed, to the refrigerator, to the bathroom. Couldn't shop for the diapers she needed. He could listen to the specialists but not remember their specialty, and she... She was so painfully... alert. Knew it all, everything. Knew about the last bit of healing poison, when it was, how much, when the chemo would start to leech her strength. Your grandfather, my grandfather, could hold her hand. That's what he could do. You didn't see that. He would take her hand in his and sit right there. It was enough that she might smile once or twice in an hour. He was a ghost, touching a ghost. Paul, you sent flowers. Sent. You couldn't possibly know because you weren't there, absent, as in not present. Tyler turns his back to the audience. Silence. An elegant-looking woman, Sandra, stands from within the audience. How old are you, uh, Tyler? Ty. Good. Ty, how old are you? Is there a problem? Not at all. Oh, uh, 36? Should I be older, younger? What's the best answer? The truth is often useful. I don't know that speech. No. Who's the playwright? Is it from a play? Yes. The playwright? Me? Oh. You? You're a playwright, too? Yes. After my grandmother, she got sick, I started taking things seriously. Hmm. The old man in the play, your grandfather? Yes, but I made most of it up. Uh, dramatic license. Dramatic license. Really? <laughs> I've never seen you before. You are a student. I'm very new. I saw your production of Picnic. You saw? I saw six different plays at a bunch of schools. Yours was the best. It was honest. It got under my skin. All these plain people, all yearning. It was what theater's supposed to do. It was the only show I ever saw where I noticed I was leaning into the play. I chose to come here. Mr. Inge's picnic? What did you notice? Uh, yeah, well, a lot. The student who played Rosemary, the spinster teacher. I remember that performance. That role was a little like opera, because the teacher is so desperate, you know? I, I mean, for love. And the actress, with your help, I assume, she somehow managed to keep her dignity, even though Rosemary goes to her knees and proposes to this older guy, her boyfriend... I mean, it should have been embarrassing. It was embarrassing, except it actually wasn't. It was just... human. I certainly was going for human. And that was Rebecca. She went on to graduate school out east. Yeah, the guy who played the boyfriend. I could tell he's very young. But he was convincing. The play was convincing. I guess you did notice a lot. You're here because of Picnic? You actually went school by school watching plays? That's moderately outrageous. Seemed sensible. Outrageously sensible. <laughs> well, I guess. Don't you have to see the others? I'm taking up a lot of your They can time. wait. Seriously. You're an undergraduate? You want to go into the theater? I want to be an actor. Really? That's a bold idea. It is. <laughs> Normally, I might just say foolish. You're not kidding, are you? 
Was I terrible? No, you were. That was as far away from terrible I have seen since, <laughs> since I can remember. And I can remember. I'm going to call you back. On this, you've indicated you're auditioning for the gentleman caller. Would you consider Tom? I didn't know how ambitious I should try to be. You want to be an actor. It's all ambition. <laughs> well, excellent then. I, I would consider Tom. What do you know about the play? Uh, it's an American classic. I know Mr. Williams wrote about fragile people. I know the glass animals are a marvelous theatrical metaphor. Marvelous? They're not. I think they're a marvel, the animals. A lot of my students don't read the plays before they audition. Now that's foolish. Yes, Mr. Ty. Very good. Ty. So, callbacks will be tomorrow night, 7.30. I know that. I talked to Alicia outside while I was waiting. I guess you did, Ty. Tomorrow night, then. Thank you. And they are, the glass animals, a marvel. Thank you, Dr. Uh, I don't use the doctor. A professor? Professor Winsley, right? Right. Thank you. Yes. Act 1, Scene 2. Lights fade up very slowly, delicately. Perhaps something dangerous is lurking. Things take shape. The front room, or living room, is made monstrous by shadows from tilting towers of newspapers, magazines, and hundreds of books, boxes and boxes of clothes and stranded toys, junk mail, opened mail, styrofoam coffee cups, pizza boxes, takeout containers, and scattered stale marshmallows. Almost at the center of this antic mess is a proud portrait of an enormous and beautiful horse. Quite near are several smallish horse figurines. Close by is Abby Winsley, 85, in a shaggy and tired recliner. She is staring at the glow of a TV. It is midday, and a little light has slipped into the room through a window, which is not entirely masked by the chaos of the room. Abby Winsley is half asleep, a newspaper on her lap. She has a ready smile. Her daughter, Sandra, enters with a small bag of groceries. Sandra, a professor of theater, is 55, looks 40, and wears heels. She is stylishly and carefully dressed. She smiles as much as she can. Hi. Hi, yourself. Have you been out? I've been in. Where would I go? You brought something? Oh, I hope it's not those big vegetables that have to be boiled to death. Oh, 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 oh. What? Oh. Here, here. They call it the half mile of hell, and it was. Two of them died. died. I don't know their names. They don't put the names. It's, it's like they're anonymous. And now there's protests from the animal what people. What happened, mother? The horses. It's always the horses at these things. It was a chuck wagon race at the stampede, the Calgary stampede in Canada. Canada? I know. Did anyone die? Horses died. I'm sorry. Not sorry enough. Holy doodle. I was telling your Aunt Rolie, and she asked the same thing. Did anyone? Like a horse is not an anyone. A horse is a horse. She wasn't listening. I could hear it in her voice. She's got an awful cyst right there on her lower back. I told her to ignore it. Abby stands awkwardly and plucks a figurine of a horse from the stifling mess surrounding her chair. 
She sits and places the horse figurine close. You don't have anything to say about the horses dying needlessly in a wagon race at the silly Calgary stampede? They didn't ask the horses. Makes me shiver and shake. I'm sorry, Mother. They use the most beautiful horses. It just makes me shiver and shake. I brought you some of those Canadian maple cookies, and we're going to Archie's, right? You agreed on Archie's? I have rehearsal at 7. What a sweet, sweet thing. Like you have nothing else to do but traipse all over finding me goodies. I told her there are some things which only hurt in the mind, and if you insist on minding them, then they hurt even more. You told who? Verly, don't you know? Verly has never been a listener. She listens like a deaf person. She said it's on her coccyx. Did I say I would go to Archie's? What's on her coccyx? Uh, yes, you agreed to Archie's and a short walk. I have just enough time. She insists it's a cyst, Verly. I don't remember the walk. You were going to read the Jane Eyre today. Did you go to the doctor? Verly, did she's you She's afraid of the doctor. You don't have time for me? I'm sorry. I may not have time for Jane Eyre. You haven't seen Verly in something like ten years. She's Dad's sister. I was looking forward to the Jane Eyre. She lives in Alaska. Jane Eyre does not live in Alaska. You, you don't have time. Not today. But you're all right? I don't have a cyst, sure, sure. She doesn't go out, Verly. She has that big weight problem and her hair is bald. I need one of those cookies. Did you color your hair? Abby leans over as Sandra fishes out the cookies. Abby grabs one and eats. It's the same color it was Tuesday. Are there any new men? New men? Any new ones? Because that crew you teach with, they look suspicious. Like professors. They are professors. When you go to those faculty shindigs, you don't see any of one of those? Some nice one in a corner with a grin, chewing on salted nuts, poking in the bean dip? I try to avoid faculty shindigs. But if you went, you might meet someone new, or at least someone not too old. When you get to be your age, you may have to get a cat. I don't want a cat. We used to have cats. You liked them well enough. We just had cats. You didn't answer my question. Which one? Men. Are there any new ones? Ones you could get to know. You should have a man friend, someone who can do things. I have several. No, no, not that crew. I mean a man, man. One of those who can be a man while you're being the woman. Huh? Someone more than a friend but not permanent, not like ink. No ink, friends? <laughs> no. No, not permanent. Then they're a bother. You should just march right over to the humane people and get a cat. I don't want a cat. A cat doesn't care if you want him or not. Okay, mother. There are no new men. There are only aging professors who wear vomit-colored socks stuck into sandals. There is hardly anyone who is identifiably male. The males and the females blend together. They are generically human. Having a gender has become somehow politically incorrect. How do you feel, Mom? Your fingers today? Uh, just like they got slammed in a car door. And my feet. Oh, those calluses. I had that planter wart, not terrible awful, just awful right now. Those damn shingles. The medication turns my stomach. You're still taking yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Everything else okay? What did you do today? Do? I don't do. 
You shouldn't stand there. Where should I stand? Because you're not there. It could fall over that. And then I've got dominoes. No dominoes, Mother. How about if I stand here? The sudden sound of a trap springing. Sandra jumps back. Things fall. Ah! Uh, what? What just happened? Didn't I just say no dominoes? That's what exactly I said. God, what is this? Oh, that? That? That's an old rat trap. That's what that is. You have an old rat trap here? It just blew up. I haven't seen it for years and years. Dad used to set them around. Loaded? It's not a gun. You have... Mother, have you seen any rats? What rats? 30 years ago. 30 years ago, Dad trapped them. I haven't seen one for a long time. How did you find it? Mother, it found me. It came out. Things come out sometimes. Of all things, an exploding rat trap. Put it back. Do you need it? I want it. Dad caught some very big rats in that trap. We had that gap in the basement, and they came scurrying in like little, little rats. Dad, ah, uh, how he took care of things. Even those pinchy little squeaky creatures. I could have been hurt. You could have been hurt. I'm taking no, this. No, you are not. You are not taking anything out of this house. You don't take my things. My things are, they are, you know what they are, my friends. They're mine. Put it down. It's not safe. Oh, Patui. It's plenty. It's safe enough for me. You have a lot of items, Mother. Ah, oh, safe as a safe. That new guy next door, Mr. something, Dumsky, Dipsky, Poopsky, who knows? He's not that young. Anyway, he was walking around without a stitch again. The window is pretty hard to see out of. So many things are in the line oh, of the... Oh, he knows. He was parading. Gosh sakes, he's a parader, that one. I saw what must have been his... His, his... His penis? You don't have to actually say it. It was some little thing between his legs. Some naked men have penis. There wasn't much to it. So you were looking. I see. Around and around, and there you found... It's indecent. I think it's Dombrowski. I don't think his thing has a name. Mother, his name is Dombrowski. Oh, okay. Well, it's one of those skis. Just 29 days ago he moved in, don't you know? He's a liberty taker. The authorities, they should be notified. Just go ahead and call them. I can't call them. Then don't call them. We need to go to Archie's. I can't be late. You want to change the subject? I thought you were going to read the book to me. My favorite. When Jane meets Mr. Rochester, he's on a horse. All men should be on horses. He falls off. It's just a detail. There's a new movie. I'd like to take you to the movie. A movie is not the same. They leave out all the details. Details. Based on where you're sitting, you would have to lean all the way left and then bend over before you could see Mr. Dombrowski's details. You know everything. His apparently minuscule, flaccid penis. Don't say that word. Penis? No. Minuscule? No, the other one. Flaccid? I said not to say it. Oh. Dad isn't here. I thought he would just come back one day. I thought he would walk in with a big sunflower for me to put in the kitchen window. 
never knew you liked sunflowers. How could you know? You're the child before you were born. Oh, we were something before you and Mickey. We had big lives. This was a beautiful new house with light coming in every which way and big flowers. After your dad was successful, which took not just a little doing, if you're interested. He was a pioneer, one of the first in this state to sell crop insurance. No one had heard of it. He saved farmers. He saved their families. I was here, home. I used to bake all kinds of things, bread, the kind you make rise, the fragrance of it. Your dad walking in with his smile and those smells traveling all over the house. He used to bring me sunflowers way back. Ah, oh, back, back, back. The hours were sweet and long, and you could find me picking in the garden summer days before you and Mickey. I like backwards. We had big bursting sunflowers in the house. This house was alive, all the lovely smells, which I can't smell anymore. Barely, barely remember anymore. I like backwards. You do. How many times have I told you I like backwards? Many. Well, you shouldn't exaggerate. Do you do that in front of your students? I won Distinguished Teacher last oh, year. Oh, that. It was just your turn. There were 300 professors. All those men. And you find not one out of all those. Maybe it's you. You, dressing up all the time. These professor types make them squeamish. I wasn't talking about... I'm getting very tired of standing here in one place. And we need to go. I have to work to do. You can stand wherever you want. You could just walk out of here and leave me if you wanted. Like Mickey. You want to just leave? Is that what you're thinking about? No. I'm still here. Dad was supposed to live. I never approved of his dying. He was in charge of everything, investments, a checkbook, all the living. I just went along. This, this... Mother, this what? This, this the shits. I don't want any crashing if you stand there. That might crash. What? What might crash? The dominoes, my things, and Baron. What about Baron? He used to be on a wall. Took him down. He might be safer on a wall. But then I couldn't get to him, could I? Do you see? Do you want to go to Archie's? We were just there. I love the grilled cheese. At Archie's? Who knows when he's going to just wave his little thing around. Little men move in like they own the place. <laughs> and then they wave their little things around. <laughs> <laughs> little men waving their little things around. Who can stop them? <laughs> move in and there it goes or here it comes around and around. <laughs> waving like the king of the neighborhood. <laughs> I'm alone in here. I mean, I'm not alone at all, not at all. I have my things here, my friends. I'm alone in here. Yes, you are. I'm sorry. But I can take you out, get you some precious fresh air. What's wrong with my air? Dad's never coming. Yes. No, he's not. And I miss him all the time. How many seconds in a day? I miss him all those seconds. You miss him? You aren't the wife. I was his daughter. 
I'm not going to talk about this. Anyway, any old way, missing him is what I do. Mother, I know. I'm taking you to Archie's now. You can't afford to be taking me and taking me. <laughs> I know what they don't pay you. Can you get to the bathroom? Of course. Holy doodle. You think I don't have the ability? I think the task is complicated. Oh, you just want to make it complicated. Complicated, complicated, complicated. Do you need a little no, help? No, I do not need your help. Mother! What? 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 I'm fine. Okay, okay, yes. Abby makes her way to a back hallway, exits. Sandra exhales. Moves to the chair her mother has just left. She plops down, exhausted, looks up at the ceiling, closes her eyes. She opens her eyes, thinks, looks toward the window, then leans to the left. Abby appears. This isn't the right time of day. I was just stretching. I think he eats out a lot. You look nice. You just think I'm shabby? What a thing to say. I just say what you think. You don't know what I think. Can we get out of here? Dad liked Archie's before you. He used to read Jane Eyre to me. It was a depression, but we weren't depressed. We had nothing except each other, so we went to the library, took books, and he would read to me and I would read to him. It was entertainment, no TV. It was before anything. I understand. We were poor as dust. Bread and eggs we had, a little jam. Sometimes an apple. Wouldn't it be something if we got there and he's already there and he's sitting in the back with his glass of beer, smiling, proud, <laughs> that was him. Wouldn't it be something? When I met him, he was riding a beautiful horse. Bay Rowan was the color. His name was Adobe. Yeah, and you're not helping yourself, Mother. I'm Mother. Just, I'm just talking. Just talking. Is there any harm? It's been four years. That's all. And several months. Who cares about months? But it's five months, don't you know? Do I look all right? You look fine. Dad won't be there. Yes. He won't be there, but we should go anyway. I so enjoy the past. Whatever happened to it? It's past. Let's go. We should go. I am needed at rehearsal. What's so important about rehearsal? It isn't life. <laughs> That's why I love it. Suddenly I'm just tired, like some old creature. Living here would make anyone... What's wrong with living here? I love my house. We've lived here 53 years. The roof doesn't leak. Nothing is wrong with living here. It isn't illegal. Darn sure it's not illegal. What would make it illegal? What are you doing? You move like that and things fall apart. They've already fallen. What does that mean? Look. Look at what? Ugh. What is that sound? Why do you keep making that sound? I have not made that sound at all today. Just now, right now, now you made that sound. Disgust of disgust, that sound. If you move suddenly, or even if you don't, or if you move at all, that's how Dad fell. You think it's my fault. You think that. He died of pneumonia. After falling. Let's... Go to Archie's. Let's go, Mother. No, no, now I feel terrible. You have made me feel. I haven't made terrible. you feel anything. You've freshened up. You look ready. Let's go. He died of that infection. Okay, fine. Please, let's go.
You used to rub his feet. They needed it. His circulation. I never got to rub his feet. You never chose to, Mother. You don't have to remind me. You brought it up. You could have disagreed. That wouldn't have been truthful. Is that what happens when you get a PhD? You go around collecting the truth like you own it? Like you could just pick it up off the floor? Not off this floor, Mother. I'll wait for you in the car. I won't come. Do you need help? What could you do? You know when you were little, you were like this? Little but stubborn? I used to make you kneel. I can't make you kneel anymore. You're too old. You want me to kneel? Okay. We can go to Archie's, but I'm going to have bacon. I don't care what the doctor who's it says. And I'll have an order of fries. Do you think you should? <sighs> Stands and grabs a cane near her chair. You're using Dad's cane? You don't need to do that. If you took a walk around the block twice a day. I'm using the cane. It's Dad holding me up. But you know, Mother, he's not. You insist on the stubborn truth. I don't remember the truth helping all that much. Okay, okay, let's go. We'll go. The horse followed a tall steed and on its back a rider. What did you say? You don't know? The horse followed a tall steed. I memorized it. That's Jade Eyre, her own self. Now you say it, but like you're reading it. Huh? Just say it. That Charlotte Bronte knew a thing or three. Now you say it. All right. All right. What is it? You could have listened. The horse followed a tall steed and on its back. And on its back a rider. Yes, I say know. Say the whole sentence. The horse followed a tall steed and on its back a rider. Good. You can read. I'm going to have the maple nut. That's the only good ice cream Archie's got. You should have a man, someone to sit with and watch a movie, someone with a kind face who carries things. Act 1, Scene 3. Ty is rehearsing a scene. Alicia... The stage manager holds up a copy of the play as Ty stalks about, imitating a hoodlum from an imagined underworld. Sandra joins in a moment, a clipboard in hand. They call me Killer. Killer Wingfield. I'm leading a double life, a simple, honest warehouse worker by day. By night, a dynamic czar of the underworld, mother. I go to gambling casinos. I spin away fortunes on the roulette table. I, I wear a patch over one eye and a false mustache. Sometimes I put on green whiskers. On those occasions, they call me El Diablo. Oh, I could tell you things that make you sleepless. My enemies plan to dynamite this place. They're going to blow us all sky high some night, and I'll be glad. Very happy, and so will you. You'll go up, up on a broomstick over Blue Mountain with 17 gentlemen callers, you ugly, babbling old witch. Okay, okay. Ty. Yes? That was safe. Do you know what I mean? Vanilla. Vanilla without the flavoring. <sighs> You're sort of a gentle soul. I wasn't trying to be. Take a chance. Stalk your mother. Why is Tom angry? His mother is overbearing. And? He wants out. He wants his own life. He's trapped, not himself. Not his full self. Not his full self. Terrific, I agree. And she treats him like a boy. And he may be acting like a boy, but he can't... can't handle it from Amanda. Mothers are powerful. They are. And when someone is denying you your full self, what might happen? You get pissed off. 
Pissed off? As in, I'm tired of having to take out the garbage? As in, I'm fucking angry, I'm fucking enraged, my blood is on fire? Whoa. <laughs> Where did that come from? I was in a rock. Alicia is suddenly very attentive. But this is Tom's mother, and he's play-acting, trying to illustrate... He's trying to illustrate what? How silly his mother's notion is that he's doing something dark and criminal instead of going innocently to the movies every night. But it's his mother, and so he's not quite as, I don't know, ferocious? She's a southern belle, you know, genteel. Mothers can't engender ferocity? Well, of course, but I just thought... You know the word smother? Take off the S and you get mother. Mothers can't stop themselves, infamously, eternally. Yeah, my mother never seemed that interested. That's another kind, not Amanda. We're in rehearsal, we experiment, and if it fails, so what? So you want ferocity? I'd like to see what it looks like. And at the end of the speech, his anger boils and he throws his coat across the room and breaks a glass animal. Laura shrinks. So, as the English say, have a go. Jump in. Take over. If it's okay, Alicia, let me do this. You're going to... Sure. Great. Uh, I'll play the director. Alicia sits and crosses her legs. Suddenly, a little important. Sandra finds her place in the script and stands behind a love seat. She affects a southern drawl. I don't believe that lie. I'm going to opium dens. Yes, opium dens. Dens of vice and criminal hangouts, mother. I've joined the Hogan gang. Yeah, I'm a hired assassin. I carry a Tommy gun and a violin case. I run a string of cat houses in the valley. They call me Killer. Killer Wingfield. I'm leading a double life. A simple, honest warehouse worker by day, by night. A dynamic czar of the underworld, mother. I go to gambling casinos. I spin away fortunes on the roulette table. I wear a patch over one eye and a false mustache. Sometimes I put on green whiskers. On those occasions, they call me El Diablo. Ty jumps onto the love seat, grabs a furniture throw, and imitates a caped madman. Amanda, Sandra, is shocked and retreats further. Alicia is delighted. Cool. Oh, I could tell you things that make you sleepless. My enemies playing the dynamite this place. They're gonna blow us all sky high some night and I'll be glad. Very happy and so will you. You'll go up, up on a broomstick. Over Blue Mountain with 17 gentlemen callers, you ugly, babbling old witch. Ty is finally dangerous, frightening. He relaxes and leaps triumphantly off the love seat. Double cool. I would say hot, actually. <sighs> I don't know about jumping on the love seat. It's a little Batman. I don't know either. But it was bold and antic and alarming, surprisingly frightening. You were frightening. You got some acting needs done. I can do it, Ms. Director. That was alive and just a little big, which is fine in rehearsal. So now we have to refine it, explore it, kind of probe it, live with it, inhabit it. But you took a chance. That was so wonderfully... <laughs> distracting. I was certainly distracted. <laughs> Let's move to the next beat. Alicia, I need you to read Laura. With the other two unavailable, you're getting a workout, Alicia. I'm ready to hurl my coat. In a minute, El Diablo. Ty finds the coat. Sandra moves the love seat back into position. Alicia checks the position of the glass animals on the set. Everyone is working. The lights fade. Act 1, Scene 4. The theater. The stage. The lights fade up very slowly to reveal an elegantly dressed Sandra sitting at the dining room table of a set for the glass menagerie. Sandra is under work lights. 
She is quiet, alone, pensive. Silence. Lights fade up on Abby in her front room. Sandra's cell phone rings. She answers. Mother, hello. What are you doing? Are you all right? Are you stopping by tonight? It's late. Not that late. I have work. Well, that's always. Right. I always do. He's on parade again. Who's on parade? Polish neighbor with his... That's nice, mother. It's not nice at all. What could be nice about it? Maybe it's entertainment. (sighs) I don't know where you are. Aren't you going to tell me? I just finished rehearsal. I wish you sounded better. You sound terrible. Good evening, Mother. That doesn't sound real. If you come here, I'll make some tea. Mother, how can you make tea? You know, I was sitting here, all alone, thinking tonight about that one Thanksgiving when Mickey and I came home from college and you cooked a goose. You cooked a goose. You were thinking about the Thanksgiving goose? I remember that table setting. The folded napkins, crystal, the wine, the freshly polished silver. Dad and I polished it together. I think Mickey made the sweet potatoes and you, (laughs) mother, you had made a whole flock, a flock of geese, a centerpiece out of popsicle sticks or something, and somehow you made this goose taste good. It did. And Dad was against it, cooking a goose, but you insisted, I remember. You have to cut away all the fat before you start, even. And you remember. But it was pipe cleaners, Sandy, and it was a gaggle. That's what that's called, a gaggle. And yes, I can. I can go in the kitchen. I go to the kitchen. There's nowhere for me to... I would be standing. Always critical. Professor Critical is what I should start calling you. I should start that right away. Alicia enters. She begins to put away glass animals. I have to go, Mother. There's a new Jane Eyre movie this weekend. Remember I told you I thought we could go Sunday afternoon. My treat. Oh, you can't afford that. I fall asleep in movies. You love Jane Eyre. The book, which you read to me only sometimes. Mother, I have to go. And I do read to you. For a few moments. You go. Go then. Go, go, go. Bye. Abby hangs up abruptly and pops some marshmallows into her mouth. Alicia is busy, cheerful, polite, competent. Do you want me to leave the works on? I'm all finished. Yes, thank you, Alicia. Are you going to stay then for a while? I mean, it's none of my business. I'm just the stage manager. The stage manager is never just the stage manager. Just a little while. How do you think it went tonight? They need to get off book. (laughs) Except Ty is already off. Well, because you're asking, I think Ty is very smart. He studies. You can tell. Oh, yes. It's so obvious. He's older. I'm not used to it. He's brimming with ideas. It's a little creepy in here with no one around. You're all right, Sandra? The building is ancient. All the money goes to sports and business and computers. I'm going to go then. Go. Do something fun with your boyfriend. What's his name? Chip. Hmm, We should all have boyfriends named Chip. He plays something. uh, Soccer? Baseball. He's a pitcher. Alicia, I'm sorry I didn't remember. Tell him to strike out the side. He does that a lot. He's a very smart pitcher. People talk. They say he's wily. I love to cheer for him. (laughs) That's lovely. I'll cheer for you cheering for him. Everyone should have someone to cheer for. Good night. Don't stay too long. I won't. Good night, Alicia. Alicia exits. Ty enters from the house. Oh. Looking for something? Ty finds his script on the set. Found it. Still here. Apparently. I was already halfway home. You stay after a lot? 
Is this after? I didn't know. I'll be going soon. Professor, I don't know what to call you. Don't call me professor. It makes me feel like I have a mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Sandra's fine. Deep in thought, Sandra, I love this show. Mr. Williams could write a little. Are you getting enough rest? Excuse me? I just mean the pressure of the show. I've noticed directors, the ones who care, they're sort of riveted. If there was pressure, it wouldn't be from the show. If. That's good to know. Why did you ask if I'm getting enough rest? You look tired. Just a little. Not even noticeable. Except you noticed it. (sighs) I just got accused of that, being tired. I'm being cryptic. Sorry. Never mind. Feels like it's going well. I think it's going well, the show, though it's early. It's going very well. It's a lovely fraud. Whoa, a fraud? I just mean it's a fiction. It doesn't have the same insistence as real life. Yeah, real life is an annoying nag. You're a bit older than you are. You're doing very well. Have I said that? Not quite so explicitly. Thank you. Thank you. It's not a compliment. Oh? It's an accurate description. Years ago, millennia, I played Laura, opposite this young man who played Tom. The guy playing Tom had a nasty drinking problem. We had this officious and sentimental director. He looked like a big (laughs) bug. (laughs) (laughs) He wanted sister and brother to hug a lot. Poor Laura found herself hugging a drunk. It was a very sloppy production. Oh, the play is fragile. Tom saves himself, his future. Mr. Williams leaves Laura alone with her mother, who is herself alone. I would never want to sour the proceedings by lurching around in a stupor. I don't drink. No? Oh, here and there, a glass of wine and... Anything other than fullest attention would be inappropriate in a delicate play where everyone is desperate and alone and inconsolable. It's a delicate enterprise. I'm bringing in my clearest head every day. So you're a Boy Scout. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Damn, do I sound like that? (laughs) Speaking of which, you're still here. It's like you're guarding the play. No. Yes. I like that. Guarding the play. Someone should. Hmm. We should get some rest. I'm taking off. Bye now. I had a thought. Would you like to go for some coffee? With you? Well, yeah. (laughs) Just coffee. I couldn't do that. But that's... That's very kind. Except it's... Irregular. Well, I didn't mean it to be kind. Shit, I didn't mean it to be unkind. I meant just... Coffee. You're right. I should go home. Uh, so should I. Right, right, right. Technically, I'm enrolled as a student. But I've been a few places here and there. Stuck in the desert for two years. Saw some things. I'm a little irregular. Just needed to point that out. I know that. Whatever regular is... I'm not 100% confident it's all that interesting, Professor. Please, just Sandra. Just coffee, just Sandra. Good night. Good night, Ty. I'll get the ghosts. Tomorrow, then. Yes, tomorrow. Ty exits. Sandra switches the work lights off. 
plugs in the ghosts and looks for a moment at the set. Act 1, Scene 5. Abby in her front room. She is inspecting books in a pile. She picks up a book, looks inside, puts it back on another pile, continues methodically and awkwardly. The jingle of a cell phone. On the glass menagerie set, Alicia answers her phone. Sandra and Ty at the table on the set. Ty is studying. Sandra looks on. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, fine, but this is the third time. I have to keep track. Don't speed. Bye-bye. Taylor's battery was dead and she's going to be a half hour, but she's got to jump and she's on her way. That's not terrible. Let's work. I'll do Amanda. Alicia on book. All over it. Already. Top of page 30. They're making up. What gives her any idea? However, you do act strangely. I'm not criticizing. Understand that. I know your ambitions do not lie in the warehouse that, like everybody in the whole wide world, you've had to make sacrifices. But, Tom, Tom, life's not easy. It calls for spartan endurance. There's so many things in my heart that I cannot describe to you. I've never told you, but I loved your father. Very carefully touching her hand. I know that, Mother. Uh, I don't think you should do that. That's too bold for Tom here. Just an experiment. There's a certain revulsion. I know. I get it. Read your last line. Let me try something else. Okay. I've never told you, but I loved your father. I know that, Mother. Pats her hand. It's almost just slightly condescending. I felt that. Okay, try this. Use your voice. Let the voice bring the comfort. Okay. I've never told you, but I loved your father. I know that, mother. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Amanda is not a puppy. Well, that was outrageously wrong. That's why we have rehearsal. (laughs) What is Tom doing here in this moment? Patiently listening, trying to be decent because he's insulted his mother. It's a moment of kindness. Patience. Decent. That's the word. Make him decent. You do decent very well. Make it simple. Alicia, what do you think? Can Ty do decent? Oh, he's very decent. Almost uh, indecently decent. (laughs) There's a big reservoir of love for Amanda, which hasn't been completely used up. The act of patience is an act of love. Let's find it. Make it clean and simple. No touching. Uh, The touching was just an impulse. Cool. Uh, Can we restart with, there's so many things in my heart. Good, good. I'll do my best, Amanda. She attempts a certain antebellum posture. Very gone with the wind. Like that? How's this? (laughs) There's so many things in my heart. Uh, Okay, okay. Serious, serious now. There's so many things in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is that how you're going to do it? I was playing it straight. Well, maybe a little twisted. Okay, Alicia, don't say it. Just uh, here goes. There's so many things in my heart that I cannot describe to you. I've never told you, but I loved your father. Placing his hand near hers. I know that, mother. Great, simple, clear, lovely. Abby holds up a book she has found, a smile of satisfaction. You were good. No, you were good. And you, when I see you taking after his ways. That's from the play. 
the one we're doing. Thank you, Alicia, for keeping us completely on track. Abby inspects her find with a certain delight, finds her phone, and smilingly punches buttons. Sandra is collecting her things after rehearsal. Alicia is sweeping the floor on the set. Ty is looking out and rehearsing a monologue from the glass menagerie. Sandra's phone rings. She answers it. Hello. Yes, mother. I found something. Sex that hung in the gloom like a chandelier and flooded the world with brief, deceptive rainbows. You found something? I just said that. Can you come over and see? How can you find anything? Look, rehearsal is just over. It's 9.30. I was planning... So then you're free. It's exciting. I'm excited. I'm in the middle of some excitement. Come here. Come here. I'll show you what I found. It's exciting. Flooded the world with brief... Mother, I can't talk right now. Okay, okay, okay. I'll stop by before I go home. I have something for you anyway. I'm glad to hear you're excited about something. There's excitement in the house. Good. I'll see you in a little... I'll be here for sure. Time to go. I'm all set. Everything's put away. You're not going to keep working, Ty. Uh, just for five minutes. A terrific rehearsal tonight. Okay, but I'm going to put the ghosts on. I need to go. Go ahead, Alicia. We can take care of I'll it. do the ghosts. Uh, just make sure you turn on the... Taken care of. Ty is only going to be... Five minutes. Okay, then. Okay. You're sure you don't need something? I'm good with details. I know you are, Alicia. Nothing I can think of right now. I'll be going then. Call tomorrow at 6.15. Good. Thank you, Alicia. Yes, thank you. You're such an alert stage manager. Hmm. Oh, well, just the job, you know. Thank you, both. Good night, then. Good night, Ty. I really think... Good night, now. Alicia is very precise. Punctual. Would you like to get a glass of wine? I thought I might stop. The barrel's open until... Wine? I'm really... My mother's waiting for me. Oh, God, does that sound sad. How about this? Yes. I'm going to say yes. A glass of wine... A small and discreet glass of wine? Yes. We'll call it a tutorial. Okay, yes, let's call it that. <laughs> I know you may be concerned about the student professor commingling... Wait, the wrong word. Uh, interaction? A glass of wine would be lovely. A table set with linens and wine glasses... Already poured wine descends. Alicia, dressed in the garb of a crew member, enters and gracefully detaches the table from its cables. I'll be a gentleman. You already are. The interior of Abby's front room comes very gradually into view. Abby is watching TV and chewing marshmallows mindlessly. Sandra and Ty face out and prepare. She uses her compact and touches up her lipstick. He tucks in his shirt, adjusts his tie, combs his hair, all during the following. I rarely do this. I haven't done this for... Well, I'm surprised that you... But it's perfectly harmless. I get so drained sometimes. Not from rehearsal. Really, that's a pleasure. My mother is so... How can I carefully say this? <laughs> Idiosyncratic. It's only a tutorial, just a conversation. A pleasingly, perfectly platonic conversation. How's that for alliteration, Professor? Pleasantly and provocatively... Propounded pupil. I'm ready. <laughs> How do, How I, do look? I look? Ready. ready. A, A single, single glass. glass. Discreet. Discreet. Soft music, perhaps sati, gradually becomes a part of the following. They sit.
That was a lot of fun, our rehearsal. I don't get to play anyone much anymore. I'm glad Taylor was late. I mean, I'm sorry she had a flat tire. Well, not that sorry. Hmm. Ty, you used to be a soldier? I'm still a soldier, in the reserves. Yes, of course. In Iraq? What was your job? Well, I was lucky enough to be in civil affairs. Uh, it's a little like the social work of the army. Our team was responsible for helping to rebuild schools. There's a lot of negotiation with the Rockies, the mayors of villages. The brass like bricks and mortar. The Iraqis wanted clean water. Mm. You volunteered? Of course, it's all volunteer. In the engineering corps, they ran a backhoe. We worked with the civil affair folks, and they kind of rescued me. Well, you must have been exceptional. Well, there was a major in the civil affairs unit. I got to know him. What was it like? I mean, for you. So hot. The wind, the sand. Scorpion hot. But I liked helping build schools. Watching the school kids, they had the biggest, flashiest smiles. <laughs> I think it was because now they thought they were safe. Because the schools were very modest, uh, but with running water. Like a miracle running water. We did a skit. A skit? Well, the kids and I. Uh, I took the idea to my commander. It was a goodwill skit for the opening of the school. Western theater does not sit well with the Quran, but I was smart. I got together with the kids. One could speak a little English, and in a patch of sand in the courtyard, we made a gigantic map of Iraq, and I had the kids stand just where their little school would be on that map. And some were camels, and some were donkeys, and some were students, and some were teachers. They loved it. We put ourselves on the map, that little school. The parents were all smiles, and the brass loved it. Except for my lieutenant, he was an asshole. He reported me as going outside the parameters of the mission. He got especially pissy after I got the major to go to the colonel. The colonel was a little amused. He thought the kids were funny. This one kid had the amazingly ridiculously weird bray as a donkey. <laughs> really? You did that? And under duress, it appears. Where did you get the idea for this kid? Invention, Professor. Actually, I took a lot of pictures of the kids in the school. They always wanted to be in them. Hmm. That was a terrible place. But the kids didn't seem to know, or they didn't show it. Her cell phone rings. Ty, I have to take this. No, no, of course, fine. Mother. Why do you say it that way? Which way? Where are you? Is there a problem? What could happen? I hope you're not busy. Actually, I'm quite busy. Where are you? I'm having a glass of wine. This late? Are you stopping by? I don't know the time, Mother. I'll be there soon. When did my feet get this ugly? I'm sorry, Mother. I can't help that. Is there another person drinking wine? Do you need something? Mother, I have to go. My feet hurt. Can you soak them? They'd get wet. They would. Yes, get wet. I have to go. I found something. I'm in the middle of a conversation. Oh, so a person, another wine drinker, a man... I'll come by in an hour or so. I miss Dad. He never complained about my feet. I'm going to go now. Take it easy. I always take it easy. It doesn't help. See you soon. Bye now. What kind of wine-drinking man? What kind of face does he have? What kind of face? Just a single small glass of wine. Bye now. I'll see you very soon. Do you need to go? No. We just got here. My mother.
I'll understand if you need you to. You don't need to understand. You really don't. Excuse me. I wasn't intending to interfere. No, no, no. You, you weren't interfering. My mother. It's just me. It gets to... She gets to... Me. She's... Not as safe as she might be. Shit. I apologize. My mother has all kinds of <laughs> needs. You were very patient with her just then. Since my father passed, she's gotten a wee bit untethered. <laughs> my students never wear ties. You wear a tie every day. That's so unusual. And your collection is eclectic and rich and multi-hued. The god of rainbows. <laughs> My father wore ties all his life. I used to think it was silly. I mean, when he wasn't at work, he was a truck driver, UPS. And he always wanted to be something else. Yeah, he liked jazz, believe it or not. He had a trumpet which he would play once in a while, wearing a tie. <laughs> they don't let him play in the local bars. I used to think this tie business was... Self-indulgent nonsense. Used to? When I was young and too smart and cool, I thought dressing up was pompous. And now? It's a dash of color. So much of life is gray. I was in Iraq. Lots of gray. Every day. That's a deep blue. She indicates his tie. Cerulean. Oh, cerulean. Pretentious. <laughs> no, no. I love a little pretension. Without it, what's left? A great, tepid life. She impulsively touches it. Lovely. I have a student who not only wears a cerulean tie, but knows he's wearing a cerulean tie. Which is, by the way, <laughs> silk. Oh. Pompous, not tepid. Catching herself, she pulls her hand away. Hate tepid. Give me pompous over tepid any time. Have you ever been to a faculty meeting? I wouldn't think. I can imagine. Faculty in meetings. They're all a little too smart. Desperately, clutchingly smart, like they've read something you haven't and you should have. Some eat their brown bag tuna sandwich eagerly, as if they're stoking themselves for their next verbal joust. Oh, there I go. Tails out of school. Slap my hand. I couldn't do that. I'm glad you auditioned. All of a sudden, you decided at your age to just take a leap? I will not be driving a UPS truck for the rest of my life. My father wanted to be a musician, which he is, but you know, he's a hobbyist. I'm not going to be a hobbyist. No. You don't give that impression. You're raising the bar here in this show. Thanks. That's not what I heard. I heard you raise it all the time. I have constraints. The university is not well endowed. Sandra's cell phone rings. She silences it immediately. I need to go. You didn't drink your wine. I had a sip or two. I'll get this. I asked you. Let's not fight. You're supposed to be a poor student. I would be willing to bet. And how about if I leave the tip? Hmm? I would be willing to bet that no one around here has told you how attractive you are. May I say that? Are you saying it? I am. It's inappropriate. But thank you. It's a completely objective assessment. 
I have a keen grasp of aesthetics, a rigorously intellectual appraisal of the architecture of your face. What did you do in the army? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Damn, I might be blushing. I don't blush. It's really inappropriate. Very. Well, I should go. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for the glass of wine and the company. Thank you. This was refreshing. <laughs> Act 1, Scene 6. Abby's Front Room. Abby is asleep. Sandra enters with a tidy shopping bag and some sunflowers, which Sandra keeps half-hidden. Sandra stands for a few seconds and watches her mother. Sandra jingles the shopping bag, and Abby wakes. Oh, I wasn't sleeping. I was just resting my eyes. I called you. I know. Several times. I got you some nice pasta marinara. And breadsticks. I love breadsticks. I could eat ten breadsticks. We need some light. Abby switches on a lamp. The day was too long. Who made up the length? Someone should shorten them. Can I have a breadstick? Of course. Is there a chance we could sit down in the kitchen? She lays the sunflowers aside. It's too hard right now. I was going to go in there to move some things. There's no milk in the refrigerator, so I went looking. Couldn't find it. I can't find anything. And then it found me. I stumbled into it. The milk was on the floor in the carton? I'm just telling you is all I'm doing. I don't know how it got there. Of course, it was in the carton, but a person could not drink it. That's for goddamn sure. Did you throw it out? You're asking if I threw it out? I'm asking that. Where were you? I'm asking if you threw the milk out. You said you stumbled on it. I, I heard. I heard. I threw it out. I stumbled into it. I didn't stumble on it. Because I want you to be safe. You threw it out. And so it's not lurking around here, rotting and attracting vermin? I threw it out. Out, out, out. Mother, please don't raise your voice. Listen. Please, please listen. I want you to be safe. In here. Safe. You think I'm in danger. Any person living here would be in danger. What does that little thing mean? You know what it means. I threw it out. You think I would leave old milk laying around? That's the end of that conversation. Where were you? I had rehearsal. Then I had a glass of wine at the barrel. Here's a breadstick. Good golly, that's a big one. And it's a good one. Okay, okay, let me show you what I found, because you were the one that brought it up. You did. Abby finds a book stuck in her chair. Here it is. What is that? The original Jane Eyre. How's it different from the one you've been... The, this one here is the one Dad bought me. The real one. Cloth, see? Here's an old stained coffee, maybe tea. We used to have a nice tea together. You think I can't... I looked, I found, don't you know? So we don't have to go to the movie. You can read me the official real book. It's your turn. My turn? You don't remember. I read this book to you. I don't remember a, you reading it to me. I remember Dad reading it to me. Well, I'm sure I must have it sometime or other. Holy doodle. There were two parents. We must have taken turns with the chores and all. I love Jane Eyre. Dad read it to me. You have to be stubborn about it. Hell's bells, I found it in all this. Sandy, you can read it to me. I suppose I could, but I thought it would be good to get you out to see the movie. Popcorn doesn't always agree with me. You don't have to eat it then. What's the point of a movie without popcorn? The point of the movie would be the movie. Oh, like it's supposed to be obvious. Could you 
Could you just read a little bit of it tonight? Mother, I just came here to give you the pasta and the breadsticks. What have you got sticking out of there? Did you throw the milk out? I don't have to answer that. I won't be interrogated. I am not a prisoner. You're not? Oh, because you think I am. We've been in this house for 61 years. Used to be charming. We bought it. New. New. I can still smell that new house smell. The carpets, everything worked. Mickey broke his little arm falling on the shiny new floor in the kitchen. Spick and span, Mr. Clean Johnson's wax. They were all in the air, all those cleaners. I could still smell them. I didn't know Mickey broke his arm. No one ever told Oh, he came running in onto the kitchen floor, shiny with wax, and he fell splat like a bad tomato. Holy doodle. He never ran in the kitchen after that. He doesn't talk to you. He calls me. A person shouldn't come in and try to take over. Coming home like that from hair and nails to find an orphaned pile of my things sitting out in the driveway like some big monument of trash. I won't ever get over it. Children. He's 59 years old. He was trying to help. Plenty old enough to know better. That wife of his? She's a cleaner. That one. At least you don't try to break me over. Why would I ever do that? I wonder if I should ever have had children. You should have a test or something. Take a test. See if you qualify. For Lee, she would have flunked that one. That's for darn sure. And now her children hardly show up. And that's why she's always calling. At least you show up. Did you go to the doctor? Turns out it was a boil down there. That doctor had to lance it. Who gets a boil down there? It proves a person isn't even safe knitting in a chair. Life is a creeping accident. Maybe she was sitting too much. And speaking of sitting... What about sitting? You would promise me you would clear a space for me to sit when I visit. Promises? I've done all that. I don't want to fight. What is that sticking out of that bag? Are those sunflowers? What about your neighbor? Any new shows? Oh, now all of a sudden, (laughs) without warning, he's walking covered like a priest. The whole shooting match. Shirt, pants, shoes, even a tie. Some people you can't depend on. Who'd you go with? Where? You go for wine alone? A friend. That sounds mysterious. A friend. That's what a person says when that person doesn't want another person to know. Besides, what friends do you have? You had a husband from which you got divorced. It wasn't Frank. You're not seeing him. You already took him down, poor man. Meeting in secret, having wine. Frank's not the friend? You got all the way through him. He's over. It's not Frank. And if it was, it wouldn't concern you. But it isn't him. But it's someone. Yes, someone, a friend. A boy? A man? I hope it's not a girl. I don't want to talk about this. You don't think it's important at your age? A wine-drinking friend, a man. That's kind of important, I would think. If I was thinking, which I refuse to do. You can undo or you can do. Which are you doing? Huh? I'm just... Making conversation with my daughter. Abby looks toward the window and notices the sunflowers. What's that? What? Oh, I bought you some sunflowers. Why did you bring me sunflowers? I thought it would be... I was feeling... uh, I saw them and I thought they would be special. Brighten up the house. Only Dad brings me sunflowers. And he's not here. He's not here. 
He was cremated. That's what he wanted. I didn't want it. He wanted it. He brought me sunflowers a long time ago, before anyone, before Mickey was born, in the middle of the whitest winter. He found them, sunflowers from some blamed place in the south, before you were born even. Now you bring me sunflowers? It's too late for sunflowers. As if you could bring me sunflowers and everything will be great and dandy like candy. Sunflowers. Without Dad, they're just weeds. You can't be him. I wasn't trying to be him, Mother. I was trying to be me. I was trying to do a nice thing for you. I never knew about Dad and the sunflowers. I just thought... You just thought you should think harder. You're the fancy professor. You should be chock full of thoughts like a walking around thought machine. You so resent that I'm a successful professor? I resent that I'm not anything. That... Right there is what I resent. I used to polish his shoes. I think you should go back to the therapist. I know you're not taking your medication because if you were, you wouldn't be in such a stew. You would be in a stew, but not this stew. I couldn't stand to look at him. And how do you know what I take? I take enough pills for two people, three people. Do you think I could find a vase in here? Do you think that? Are you trying to make me sadder? I'm sad enough. You think you can cheer me up bringing me dead flowers? They're not dead yet. They're fresh and from a florist. Calm down. But they're going to die soon. You're butting in. I'm butting in? What am I butting into? I just came by to bring my mother dinner and some flowers. Called me a prisoner in my own house. A prisoner. Gee, golly, you have the brass. I guess I do. Someone has to... God damn you calling me a prisoner. You are. You are. The place can't be cheered up by some girl who comes over here criticizing. Yes, it's critical, critical, critical. Professor, that's you. You accusing me of being a prisoner. Like I could be a prisoner in my own house. I love my house. The only thing missing is dad. I'll stand with his cane if I want to. She flails for the cane near her chair and nearly falls. Mother! No, don't. Don't. I can handle myself. She stands with the cane. After all that I... Now you call me some girl? You have no right to... And now to... you may be a girl, but you're old. An old kind of girl. Not a girl girl, an old girl with no man. And this old girl comes into my house wearing a face that... Not good enough look. Like I'm not good enough. An old girl with not a single child. And I have not... I have not... I have not a single grandchild. You're too... Too, too busy... You were too busy to be married, and here you are, big and alone and like something old. See, I see that look right there. Abby is panting, leaning on the cane. So you get out. You get out of my house. Walk out on your old legs. What? Where did this sudden old girl thing come from? You! You have them. And on your way out, I don't want any dominoes, no dominoes in this house. Uh-huh, sure. She kicks a pile. It falls against another. The sound echoes repeatedly. My legs aren't so old that I can't use them. My daughter is an old bitch girl, daughter. And it's not my fault he broke his hip. He was always clumsy. He was born clumsy. It's not my fault. Whose fault was it? 
Dad had that hitch in his step. He was living in a dangerous place. You! You! Go! Go! Sandra moves quickly, tripping, recovering, glaring back. She exits. Abby leans on her cane, exhausted. She looks at the new mess, breathing hard. The sound echoes. She calls out, No dominoes! Act 1, Scene 7. Alicia is on set picking up glass animals. Ty and Sandra are working. William's word here is faithful, which is ironic and smart because Tom hasn't been faithful to his sister Laura. He left her with Amanda, his mother. But thoughts of his sister haunt him. He is reminded of her when he passes a perfumery, the colored glass bottles. Remind him of Laura and her collection, yeah. Yeah, so he is faithful in one way. She sticks deep inside. She's on his mind. Yes, 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 Ty, good. Alicia, you can go. Oh, no, I can stay. I don't really have to be anywhere. The rehearsal's over. <laughs> We're just going to be working on the last monologue. I can be on book. I'm pretty much off book. I just... I really don't mind, not at all. If there's a rehearsal going on, then as the stage manager, I should... We're going to be working in tiny increments. Oh, delicate? Well, yes, delicate. But we're not fragile. We can do this. But it will be a little tedious, and besides, rehearsal was over 20 minutes ago. I need you to get some rest. You're here all the time. Well, okay then. Okay. You can take care of the work lights, you're sure I'm not needed? Of course you're needed. It's just Tom's monologue. I will do everything completely by the book. Yes, ma'am. I don't mean to sound all neurotic protective. <laughs> I'm sorry. You two just work. Yes, sir. Call tomorrow's at seven. Good. And thanks, Alicia. You're doing a remarkable job. Have I said that? Not exactly that, but thanks. I really enjoy being here. I mean, the work. Bye. Bye now. Bye, Alicia. Alicia exits. Let's go right to the... Window is filled. Go. Just go? Yes, you know it. Go. <sighs> the window is filled with pieces of colored glass. Tiny, transparent bottles in delicate colors like bits of a shattered rainbow. Then all at once my sister touches my shoulder. I turn around and look into her eyes. Okay, but do this. On my sister touches my shoulder, take the tiniest of steps, like an almost step. Keep your head still, lean a little into the audience, and think, whisper. Don't exactly whisper. I mean, for right now, that's fine. You can whisper, but it's, it's sort of the idea of a whisper more than a literal whisper. A stage whisper? No, no, that would be too mannered. The only way you can get past the declamatory nature of these direct addresses is to imagine that you're speaking quietly, confidentially, to an intimate. Because it's always a little bit personal. Not everything, of course. Some things you just do, say, say. But as an actor, here's your job. You get up here and say, hey... Look up here, at me. I'm here to tell you a story. Give yourselves to me, I promise, to charm you, compel you, disturb you, excite you, and wrap you in my arms. All of it, right now, because I have a story to tell. So listen and watch. You, you, lovely people, you deeply flawed, eager and anxious, lovely people. 
Here, I'll be the friend. Damn. Yes, more or less. <laughs> here, I'll sit here in the audience here, and um, you give the speech to just me. Ignore the rest of the audience. Go, go. Ah, uh, whoa, this is it's certainly something. You know why we can do this? Because you're off book. You've been off book for a week before anyone else, before anyone I've ever had in the department. You said you wanted me off book as soon as possible. I always say that, and everyone knows I always say that, so they never are. I was in the army. I would like to think you weren't just following orders. <laughs> are, you, are you kidding? I love doing this. Well, that's becoming obvious. <laughs> so, try it again. Start with, I pass the lighted windows of a shop. Here? Three inches downstage. Oh, not two, not four. Okay, okay. Move a little downstage, wise ass. <laughs> Got it. I pass the lighted window of a shop where perfume is sold. Hit perfume just a touch harder. I pass the lighted window of a shop where perfume is sold. See the shop? I don't know how to see the shop. Have you never window shopped? Well, sure. Find the memory. Put it right in here. She points to her head. Your window shopping bores me. Okay, forget the window shopping then. Remember looking at something not the least bit boring? It's just a tiny moment and we don't want to indulge. I'm just trying to put you there with Tom. My dad took us to Cooperstown once. I remember being fascinated by the pictures of Babe Ruth, how unathletic he was. <laughs> he wouldn't fit in the shop window. That's ludicrous. Babe Ruth and the perfume shop window. Right, right, right. But... It's the interest you want, the willingness to look, to study. Tom in a strange city and seeing images of his sister in that perfume shop's window, the colored glass of the delicate perfume bottles. It's about listening to the playwright's work. Tom is haunted. His sister can barge into his brain anywhere, any street corner, any city. Talk to me. Show me. Let me do the speech, the second half. Tom loved his sister, cared for her, until he couldn't. Until he had to leave for his own sanity and a future. <sighs> I pass the lighted window of a shop where perfume is sold. The window is filled with pieces of colored glass, tiny transparent bottles in delicate colors like Bits of a shattered rainbow. Then all at once my sister touches my shoulder. I turn around and look into her eyes. Laura. Laura, I tried to leave you behind me, but I am more faithful than I intended to be. I reach for a cigarette and I cross the street. I run into the movies or a bar. I buy a drink. I speak to the nearest stranger. Anything that can blow your candles out. For nowadays, the world is lit by lightning. Blow out your candles, Laura. And so goodbye. So, okay, was that intimate enough? Plenty intimate. That. That was very small, but just big enough. You're not just saying that. I am just saying that. That was good, and it's going to get better. It was a little too soft, a little faint. It needs to be great big and very small at the same time. That's why acting in the theater is so, so wonderfully vexing. It's sort of impossible. And you're doing it. Here, let me. 
I don't mean to have you do this mechanically. It has to be you, but let me just move you a little. I want you to try to see Laura in the audience. And then, with your head still and centered, sort of talk to her. She touches, moves his chin. Relax now. Sink in. She puts her hands at her sides. Well, it helps if you... It helps if your hands are right there. Oh, okay. She moves her hand back to his face. Oh, good. That's, that's very good. And like this? What are you doing? I'm holding your hands. Both of them. Oh. Well, we should... We should... You're not letting go. Ty reaches for her gently, touches her face. I don't think you should be touching me like this. No, I shouldn't be. But I've been wanting to. Sandra resists only a little. Ty kisses her. No, I mean, oh. They kiss again, an enduring, gentle, tremulous kiss. Sandra leans against him, holds him. Oh, shit. Holy doodle. <laughs> Holy. Something my mother says. We shouldn't, we can't possibly, couldn't, can't. I, yes, no. It's impossible. Impossible. This yes. is... This is impossible. Impossible. Yes. Should we get back to... No. Sandra holds one of Ty's hands in both of hers. End Act 1. Act 2, Scene 1. Alicia is sweeping the stage after the opening night performance of The Glass Menagerie. Abby approaches from the audience. She is dressed carefully, even elegantly. Her hair is tidy. She has a glow. She walks slowly but steadily with her cane. Hi there. I was wondering if I could see the collection. Ma'am? The glass animals. Okay, sure. Did you like the show? Oh, yes, I loved the play. I hated the ending, though, where the sun leaves and where the unicorn broke. I didn't like that. I didn't think he would actually leave. Oh, so you didn't know the play? Oh, of course I know the play. I just hate the ending where Tom walks out. You don't leave the family. If people could leave the family, then they would, and there wouldn't be any, or not many. I was about to put it away, but you can take a minute to look, ma'am. I'm the mother. Oh? The mother of the director. Oh, Mrs. Winsley, I've talked to you on the phone a few times. I'm Alicia, the stage manager. You do the cleanup. That's one of the things I do. <laughs> they look at the glass menagerie. I am so glad to meet you. Did you say Patricia? Alicia. Oh, I know. Now, that's a pretty name, and you're a pretty girl. You should be on stage. I am. Oh, so you're a clever one. <laughs> These are very, very nice, but they look better from the audience. I'm a collector, you know. Did Sandra tell you? Really? What do you collect? Everything. That's a lot. I know. It takes work. There's the famous unicorn. How did you... Get it to break off the horn like that. Just a little glue. We put just enough glue on it so that any fall at all will break it off. It's delicate work. Delicate, delicate. Do you have some glass animals? Oh, yes. I haven't seen them for years, but I have horses. I see my horses. I'm glad you got to see the show. You're prettier than that girl. What girl, Mrs. Whitley? The daughter in the play. Well, thank you. <laughs> It might have been ten rows back, but everyone could hear, and the wife or whatever kept having to punch him. <laughs> I took some peeks, but I never heard snoring. Oh, big-time helicopter snoring. Mother? Uh, Mother, what are you doing here? I came to the play. 
I like plays. I've been talking to your charming manager here, Leisha. How, how did you get here? I paid for it. I took a cab. It was a lovely ride. You look very nice. Uh, this is Sandra's mother, Abby. I'm the mother. I'm Abby Winsley. Hello. Hello, I'm Tyler. You're handsome. Sandy, you didn't tell me there's a handsome man in your play. You look different from being in the play. I'm out of costume, Mrs. Winsley. You just go on and call me Abby. I saw the play. You know, you left. Your mother, your sister, you left them there. Mother, Ty didn't leave. <laughs> the character, Tom Wingfield. Of course, the character. It's a play. I'm just having a time here with your friend, Tyler. Right. Abby's just having a time with me. You did a beautiful job. You weren't really drunk in that one scene. I hope it looked so real. Yeah, no drinking at all, but a lot of rehearsal. That's a story. A kiss destroys the girl. That was some big, oversized kiss, wasn't it? It was a good kiss, though. Sandy, you didn't tell me there was a handsome man at the university. You're right here in the flesh, aren't you? Where do you come from, Tyler? Upstate. Good for you. Mother, I'm so glad you came. You are? My daughter. She's not any old used-up director. You know she's won awards. She collects them. She is the award collector. I'm just the collector. I don't doubt it for a second, Abby. It's good to see you out. That's me. Out. Sandy knows I'm in a lot. I'm going to put the animals in the prop closet and then shut down for the night. Is that okay, Sandra? Of course, Alicia. You're the boss. Good show tonight. You too. Thank you. What to? I just meant because Sandra's directing and Ty's acting. The two of them... A talented team, you know. Yes, 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 yes. That show, that was pretty good. Except the broken unicorn. Thanks, Mother. I'll take you home. <laughs> it's late. Already? I'm as fresh as a flower. You have a very nice young man here. So handsome. Gosh, golly, here am I trying to embarrass you, Tyler? Well, you can't do it. I guess we're done for the night. I'll get the lights backstage. Mother, I'll bring the car up so that you don't... No, I can walk. I can even dance a little. Abby does a slight imitation of tap. Well, that's pretty jazzy. They used to call me that. Jazzy Abby. They did? Oh, you wouldn't know you were unborn. Unborn? You're just full of questions. Where are the actors, the other ones? Oh, there's a party. You're not there. Uh, I might stop in. I'm tired. Big night. I'll probably just go home. There's always another party. Good night, everyone. Good show. Good night, Allison. I'm glad you met me. Bye-bye, Mrs. Winsley. You take care of your collections. Ah, ooh. Well, what is it, Mother? Oh, my damn feet. They act up for no reason I can fathom. That podiatrist thinks he's a real doctor, which he is not. He can't cure feet. I'll help you to the car. Oh, you will. Holy doodle. I didn't expect such caring treatment. She takes Tyler's arm. Thank you, Ty. One whole entire gentleman, thank you very much. Call me the Queen of Michigan. To the car, your majesty. Now there's a gentle boy. You're, you're not at all like a regular student, are you? I'll take that as a compliment, Mrs. Winslow. Oh, I'm just full of them. And just Abby. I'm trying not to be an old prune. I always say if you ever have a chance to be an old prune, don't take it. 
That's for those suckers in the old folks, uh, what do you call them, facilities. Act 2, Scene 2. Only the glow of the TV illuminates Abby's grotesque front room. The humming sound of a late-night movie, flashes of light emanating from the TV. In the dim light of the late night, things take on a strange aspect. Misshapen ghosts, relics, objects mysterious. The sound of otherworldly music. In a few moments, Sandra enters, turning on a light. Abby follows. They struggle for safe footing. Mother, do you always leave the TV on? Since Dad left me. He didn't leave you. Same thing. It was a nice surprise tonight, you coming to the show. I could come to see a show. When Dad was with me, we used to come. You know that. She gets to her TV chair and sits. Uh-huh. Oh, so I came. Sure shooting I came. I called that cell phone. You never answered. You didn't answer. I left message after message. You kicked me out of the house. That was that night. What does that mean? She finds a tiny portion of the sofa upon which to sit. It means that that was that night, and tonight is a different night, and every night is different, and every day is You called different. me a bitch. Ah, oh, that. That was not much of anything. That was a little spell. You think you'll never get old. You will. They all do. I did. A little spell? I haven't heard that one before. So now I'm a bitch. Not tonight. Not tonight. That's all you can say? But tomorrow I could be reappointed? That depends on you. Everyone has spells. You ask for Lee, she has a lot of spells. All she has is spells. Besides, it took me some time to clean up what you pushed over. With my old legs. Hell's bells. If you ask me, the majority of people get older. Unless they die, in which case they're not older, they're dead. And they didn't get older. You kicked me out of the house. Are you still on that? He's not Taking you to bed? Huh? huh? Wh- who? That what Tom Wingfield character, the one who left his family, Tyler? Tyler. Ty, are you... What are you talking about? I just noticed he has those eager kind of eyes. When a man has those eyes, it means he has life in him, and it means he wants. They want. Who wants? Men with those eyes. And I noticed the way you look at him, like he's a big piece of pie. And then there's an invitation into his bed. Have you been eating all right? You have some food? Oh, I have plenty. I bought one of those little frozen lasagnas. I ate it for four days. I have some left, a little, so he didn't bring his thing out. Mother, that's inappropriate and ridiculous and crude. What are you talking about? The sausage. What sausage? You know what sausage. Because the second they pull it out, 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 they want to put it. In, in, no, in. we're not having this discussion. I am. That's men. If there's a mountain, they want to climb it. What do you know about... And you can surrender or not. Who's surrendering? Holy doodle, they're like happy criminals. Mother, stop. I saw his eyes. I saw your look. Tyler is a student. Not like any student I've ever seen. He's a very good student, and that's oh, all. I'm sure he's very good. You will look foolish. What? Foolish is the way you will appear when people look at the two Do you of want you. me to leave now? Again? You walked out that last time. You know men are good people, very good people, huh? most of the time. And then there's the other time. What are you saying? I just said it. Men are good people. I know what you said, Mother. What does it mean? I've been alive too long. That's what you mean? 
Dad was a good person, and I'm tired now. Just now I feel very tired. He got pneumonia? Why was it his turn to get such a nasty thing? That's a cruel thing to say. And you don't think it was a cruel thing to happen? God wasn't even here. He should have been more careful. God should have been more careful. Dad! William Abbott Winsley! He should have been more careful, that man. He always thought he could do anything. He was a man who went curling at the age of 80. He's out curling on the ice where a person can fall and break everything. One fall and kerplunk. He should have been more careful. Did I not say that? I said that. He should have been I heard. I heard. You would like to, to blame him for dying? I'm alone. You don't have any children, and Mickey won't bring Tracy and Noah to see me. Mother, you told Mickey to leave. He was trying to help to make things safe. So people don't trip. So people don't fall. He sent the public health after me. We both know why. Maybe you know. What do I know? There's something I want to tell you. We need to talk about something. Your safety. If it's about this house, I have nothing to say. Don't start on me now. I'm too tired now. You always have a something. Let me rest. My shingles are coming back. There's nothing wrong with this house or with me. All right. Okay, okay. But very soon. How do you know your shingles I feel are... It. You've never had them. I wanted to watch the late night. I think I'll just sit a while. I don't want to go to bed. There's nothing to do there. Will you... Will you read? Yes, okay. You said, yes, you will. I'd better find it quick or you'll run out. I just had it this morning here. Here, here. Oh, let me find the part I want you to read. You already have that part marked. Of course. What do you think I do all day? I don't, well, no. She's talking about Mr. Rochester and you know Dad looked like him. You think Dad looked like me? I would never tell you that. That's private. Here. You're not confusing Dad with Mr. Rochester? Confuse them? No, I wouldn't confuse them. I stay as far away from confusion as possible. Read, 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 read. Abby hands the book to Sandra. It's marked. Most true it is that beauty is in the eye of the gazer. My master's colorless olive face, square massive brow, broad and jetty eyebrows, deep set eyes, Strong features, firm, grim mouth, all energy, decision, will, were not beautiful, according to the rule, but they were more than beautiful to me. Like that young man. What young man? That Tom of yours in your play, beautiful to you. I have nothing to say. Good, then read. Read the part about when Jane touches Mr. Rochester's horse, page 146. Okay. I should have been afraid to touch a horse when alone. But told to do it, I was disposed to obey. <laughs> what? P poor Jane is afraid to touch the horse. I would never be afraid to touch a horse. Holy doodle. Abby finds the horse figurine. Don't stop. I like this part. I put down my muff on the stile and went up to the tall steed. I endeavored to catch the bridle, but it was a spirited thing, and it would not uh, let me come near its head. Oh, crying. I miss Baron. I do miss Baron. I mean, after him, there was never another. It was such a long time ago, Mother. You were a child. 
It's late. We should just both doesn't get... doesn't seem like a long time ago. I was 11. Baron was my best friend in the whole long history of my whole long Mother, life. Mother, I know. I thought Dad was oh, your... Oh, that was different. He was human. Oh, you don't really know. I was 11, and every day, I mean every day, every day I would feed him, groom him, wash him, ride him, and talk to him, and he... Ah, he liked he liked me. Dad loved you. Well, I used to be pretty. He liked that. In the barn. It was in the barn. Baron was in I've there. I've heard this. In the barn. You don't want in to In the go barn. We had just gotten electricity. In the barn. In the goddamn barn. My father was so proud of his electricity. Horses don't care about electricity. I really don't think... Electricity in the barn? And then something... Bad wiring, they said. Anyway, there was a fire. I was only 11 and there was a fire and Baron was killed. The only... My only horse ever. The barn burning was in the middle of the night. The sky was full of smoke and fire and the smell of... Oh, you don't know. I wasn't allowed to see. My mother held on to me, and I struggled, and I screamed, and she stopped me from seeing. I shiver and shake, I do. Later, after we were married, your father kept promising. Next year, he would say, usually around Thanksgiving time, he would say, next year will be a better year, and maybe then... Because your father and me lived here in, in town, and it would have meant paying for boarding a horse in the country, and your father was always away selling all over the state. See, Baron, don't you think he's the handsomest horse? Baron! Such a big masculine name. But I, I have a picture. I have these, these figurines. They're mine. But read, read some more now. A little. I'd rather a lot. A little. I made effort on effort, though in vain. Meantime, I was mortally afraid of its trampling forefeet. Imagine mortally afraid of a horse. The traveler waited and watched for some time, and at last... Abby has fallen asleep. Sandra looks about her, looks again at her mother. She turns a little inspecting, perusing, taking stock. She collects herself and moves to her mother, carefully placing a throw on her. You should sleep now. You've had an exciting day. I've had an exciting day. Sandra moves away a little, finds a moment of calm, and punches buttons on her phone. She waits. In a patch of light, Ty answers his cell phone, he is groggy and in his shorts and a t-shirt. Hello? Ty. It's Sandra. I hope I'm not disturbing... No, 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 of course not. I'm just surprised. I'm here. I'm awake. Is there something wrong? I just realized. I was thinking the show went so well. And you did... You were so non-declamatory. Natural. And Janet and Tim and Nancy were all so... <sighs> Mr. Williams would not have been embarrassed. <laughs> well, good, I think. And I wasn't acclaiming that's a triumph. And not embarrassing, that's always been a goal. So I was surprised, too. I mean, I am surprised. 
would you like to meet to get a, I, I don't know, something I'm starving. I never eat before a show. I guess you wouldn't know that. Would you like to? I would very much like. Is there anything open? There's Archie's. It's very tacky, sort of greasy, wonderful. <laughs> you don't know it? It's on Eagle Ave. I've seen it. Okay. It's that weird place with the faded letters on their sign. Yes. The A and the R are faded so that it kind of reads just cheese. Uh, that's it. <laughs> 20 minutes? Really? Uh, yes. Okay. See you then. See you at Archie's. Sandra hangs up. Lights dim on tie. A waitress at Archie's sets a table. Mother, mother, you need to get up and go to bed. Uh -huh. Oh, oh, I fell asleep. I don't dream well, you know. Bad things keep at me, dream devils. Dad is there too much, and he's got this look on his face, which he never had when he was here. What kind of look? Angry. Like a scowl. I'm sorry. You're sorry. Yes, I am. Sandra helps Abby out of the chair. They walk, picking their way. You didn't finish reading. You fell asleep. That wasn't real sleep. That was just a passing little phase. Oh. oh. I'm the wife. Or I was the wife. Now I'm the... I'm the widow. Widow! I never thought I'd be a widow. People... They fall. They do. Good night. Oh, yes. And you. And read some more next time. You answer your phone. Abby exits into her bedroom. Sandra looks up and sees Tyler, who is suddenly in a brilliant and blinding light, smiling and standing by the table where the waitress is placing napkins and utensils. A sanitized orchestral version of some Bee Gees music floats in. I'm already here. I'm on my way. She picks her way out. Carefully. It takes time. Just one? I'm waiting for someone. Sure. You want the breakfast or the dinner? Uh, I think we just might have a piece of cake. We just got cheesecake. Blueberry, strawberry, cherry, eggnog. Eggnog? The owner likes it. Archie. Archie's dead. Oh. They kept the name. Owner's foreign. You want something to drink? I'll wait for my friend. I'll leave the menus. I should have said we have pie, all kinds, apple, Dutch apple, French apple, tart cherry, eggnog. Eggnog pie. Owner's foreign. Sandra arrives, bustling. Sandra, I was so surprised that you called. <sighs> it was very impulsive. <laughs> I'm glad you could come. I... I'm glad you called. Coffee? Tea? Sure, we got breakfast. Tea, is that all right? Uh, that's fine. And a basket of fries. You don't want a burger with that? Uh, just Burgers the fries. Okay, just the fries then. And the tea. And you? I think I'll have a malt. Have you got cherry? Chocolate, strawberry, vanilla, and... Let me guess. Eggnog. Right, owners... Foreign, yeah. I'll try the eggnog. The waitress inspects Sandra again. That's it? You want some water? Uh, not for me. No, thank you. No cheesecake? Cheesecakes are huge here. No cheesecake. Well, okay then. You get what you want. The waitress moves away. What was that all about? Archie's dead. Archie's dead? I didn't know. Yeah. <sighs> New owner's foreign. He likes eggnog, I guess. <laughs> Before you arrive, she explained that they have no cake, only cheesecake, including an eggnog cheesecake. She was looking at me, the waitress. Oh, she was admiring you. I don't think so. She looked like she was trying to figure it out, you and me. I didn't see the look. It was there. Well, we can choose to ignore it. You know, you're right. I'll choose that. Archie's dead? Who knew? I didn't even know there was an Archie before tonight. 
I'm glad you called. <laughs> I was so shocked when my mother showed up. She hasn't been to a show since my dad was alive. Plus, she doesn't move too well. well she looked well to me, and she was so lively. And she was kind of a delight. Really? <laughs> Feisty. Feisty is overrated. A delight? Yes, from what I could see. She has an imagination. Your father passed. How long has it been? Over three years now. We don't have to talk about it. I was just curious. I lost my grandmother not so long ago. I was close to her. She was very spirited. Well, congratulations, Madam Director, on a sad and wildly successful play. <laughs> I saw some tears in the audience. I saw a lot of tears in the audience. Thank you. Without you, it would have been different. It would have been less. Mr. Williams choosing to have Tom ruminate to the audience through monologues. <laughs> As you know, it means the actor has to entertain the audience, reach them, touch them. You did that. I loved it. Holding them there in my hands, all the eager faces and a few of the bored ones. All of them. I liked it. Loved it. I can tell. But you didn't watch. I have a confession. I have this approach avoidance thing. I ducked in and out. But I saw or heard almost everything. I'm ridiculous like that. But now I can handle it. I'll watch it like a responsible adult tonight. I saw your monologues. Very big and very small. You got it. I knew you would from your audition. Well, just from the audition? I thought it was risky to use something from my own. Oh, it was. It was. <laughs> but you showed an unusual, a spirited commitment. And in the writing, your play, wistful and angry, that monologue you auditioned with. Yeah, my grandparents, my grandmother, and her cancer... I wrote it because of my brother. He stayed away. It's about brothers. Do you see your brother? Rarely. He's the one who sent flowers? Yeah, the flower sender. Uh, my grandmother was very ill. Heart disease, complications from smoking when she was younger. My grandfather couldn't take care of her because he couldn't even take care of himself. My brother kept sending flowers. He lives in western York, Buffalo. Mother was gone. She'd moved out a long time ago, and my father is a UPS driver. He's always on the road, so there was me. I was back from Iraq. For nine months, I went many days. Picked up my grandfather at a nursing home, then on to see my grandmother. She was desperate to stay home with the oxygen and all, and so there was an aide there every day. Got the aide smoked, which I hated because she was always on the porch blowing smoke. Grandmother was cold because she weighed nothing, 83, especially near the end. My grandmother would call my name, Tyler, kind of squeak. And of course I was there, and I would come from whatever I was doing, and she would have forgotten why she called for me. Her name was Helen. I would say, Grandma Helen, what do you need? And she would say, you, I need you. hated everything about it. The oxygen, the tubes, the frailty, the messes, the breathlessness. The 
brother never showed up until the funeral wearing this weak smile. I... I'm going on. You didn't ask for this. Anyway, I started writing the play while she was in that state. I'm sorry. No, no. I knew that monologue must have come from somewhere important. It was time for me to go back to school after Grandma Helen passed. I came down here to see a show. Mr. Inge's play Picnic, which you directed. There's something delicate in how you handled the play. Sort of dated, I think, but I was struck by it. You found the anxiety in the play, the loneliness of small-town life, the yearning. You left an impression. Mr. Inge would not have been embarrassed. I wanted to take advantage of the GI Bill, tuition assistance, all of that, and... Grandma left me a few dollars. You came to school here. You enrolled here because you saw Picnic? No. I enrolled because of what you did with Picnic. No one ever... Around here... I shouldn't tell you this. Well, go ahead. Tell me this. I don't even know what this is. I will when you tell me. One of the most painful things about this place, our eminent theater department, is that one can direct let's say Pygmalion, and do it with great pace and wit and elan, and no one who counts for anything will care. I mean, if they come, they might say, good job, or my favorite, nice play, and wander into the night forgetting all about it by the time they reach their car. Or, or you can do a terribly pedestrian, limp and sagging rendition, and they will say, nice play, and wander into the night forgetting all about it by the time the cold air hits them difference between a brilliantly directed play and a dud is the distance between the car down the street and the lobby door. Call it 200 feet. <sighs> That's terribly sad. It's terribly true. But you came here to school because you saw a play I directed? <laughs> That's remarkable. I didn't think anyone noticed, ever. I did. Thank you. He reaches across and touches her hand. She does not resist. The waitress approaches with the food, stops, and stares at them. They pull away. Our friendly waitress has brought the food. I'm suddenly hungry. I'm desperate. The waitress places the food on the table. Eggnog. Eggnog. That is good. Excellent. Yeah, excellent's good. Where's the new owner from? India, Pakistan, Thailand... One of them. Oh, you don't know which? Oh, I do. I'm just playing with you. Uh-huh. So which one? I'm saying India. All I know is he thinks eggnog is some special American deal, so he puts it on the menu. Eggnog French toast, if you noticed. You two have a good time. You need anything? I'm right here. What? She's a riot. <laughs> I must say, these are still good. Despite the presence of a new owner from India, Pakistan... Thailand? <laughs> I'm glad you called me. What a surprise. I must say, you eat french fries more discreetly than anyone I can remember. I'm sorry, I don't want to make you feel self-conscious. I'm just going to carry on and treat that as a compliment. Good, because it is. A compliment. There's no one here. It's a weekday and almost 1 a.m. She drinks the tea. Oof, this is weak. Mm, that's too bad. How about a taste? I would love a taste. She puts her spoon in the malt and has a taste. 
A little of the ice cream remains on her lips. And there's a little eggnog. Here, let me. Ty leans over and gently touches her lips with the napkin. Thank you. That is good. Let me have a little more. She grabs the eggnog malt and drinks from it. Would you like to come over for some tea? I can make it a lot stronger. Tea? This late? Yes. What kind of tea? What kind of tea? Uh, how about green tea? Uh, it's ridiculously healthy. I couldn't. I would love to, but I couldn't. Okay. Then we'll just stay put. The waitress approaches. The tea was terrible, but the eggnog malt was splendid. Did you make it? Yeah, you liked it. The perfect elixir. Perfect is good. I'll take perfect. You tell Mr. India, Pakistan, Thailand to keep the eggnog. The sound of a buzzing cell phone. Somebody's phone. The waitress walks away. No, not now. My mother couldn't possibly. It's 1 a.m. It is 1 a.m. I'm flaring up. Mother, it's... Thank you for answering. I can't find my medication. I think I'm out. The all-night place. Were you sleeping? I'm still awake. I wouldn't ask, but I can't sleep. You were sleeping nicely when I left. To my shoulders. You are such a hero. What would I do if you were I'll be there in an hour. An hour? Okay, an hour. You answered your phone. I'm crazy. A person who is crazy would not answer her phone. You're the hero. Mother, goodbye. I'll be there. Are you with someone? Are you with that Tom Wingfield? I am not with Tom Wingfield. So you are. Can you call that a healthy thing at your age? Do you want your medication? Of course I want it. Why else would I call it such an hour? Are, are you there? <sighs> You're coming? In a little while. Watch out for drunks behind the wheel. Okay, bye-bye. Where were we? Maybe you need to... No, I don't need to. Mother can wait. Let's just... Let's... Just stay here for a little. I like it here. It's strange at night, so late. I like it here with you. Let's order something else. <laughs> here, they have eggnog custard pie. Who knew? <laughs> we missed that. I'm not even close to full. Split a piece? Uh, I'll have a bite, and then we Stay. Should... Sandra grabs his hand, holds it tightly. The waitress watches from a distance. Act 2, Scene 3. Abby is at home in her chair in her front room on the phone. Verlee, that's how things happen. Why do you want to keep that same doctor? He doesn't seem to do anything for you. He didn't even understand your coccyx. Holy doodle, you tell Ralph to help you find another doctor. That's my advice. What kind of son is one who won't help you with doctors? My daughter helps me with doctors all the time. She went right out and got me the shingles medicine the other day. Huh? You have to go? Where? Oh, you have diarrhea too? Boy, you got a load on you. Okay, okay, you take care of yourself and call me. Don't be afraid to call. The sound of a doorbell. Ah, hell's bells. What's that? Bye now, Verley. I have to go. There's someone... Abby goes out with her cane. Returns, moving slowly and breathing with a little difficulty. Where are you from? Jessica, a social worker who finds herself isolated in the doorway to the front room, is shocked and struggles to recover. You're not from the pharmacy? I'm from the Office of Social Services, Mrs. Winsley. You're not the delivery person from the pharmacy? No, Mrs. Winsley. Well, you can't come in. I shouldn't have let you come this far, but I, I couldn't understand. What, what social service hoo-ha? 
I don't need any social service. My name is Jessica. I've spoken with Sandra, your daughter. She asked me to come visit. I don't like intruders. Your daughter is concerned about your safety. She called a few days ago, and I happened to be in the neighborhood, so I thought I might stop in and say hello and get acquainted, Mrs. Winsley. Were you always this young? Well, this is my first professional job, but I did a lot of interning in college. What do you do? I just wanted to stop and say hello and meet you. I meet with people in their homes to see if they need any help. One of my jobs is to help make people feel safe. I'm safe enough. You know this world is not a safe place. I know that. You're too young to know that. Unless you come from one of those countries where they kill each other before they eat breakfast. Africa, one of those. You're not from one of those. You're not going to go round up the Lone Ranger and have him kick me out of my house? Lone Ranger? Uh, no, no Lone Ranger. But you can't come in here. It's not safe. It's not safe? For you, it's not safe. For me, it's very safe. I live here. I'm skillful at it. I see. That here's what you can write in that notebook there. Write, Mrs. Winsley is a collector. End of whole story. You can go now. Your daughter tells me that you have shingles. Yes, I have shingles. Not too bad today. What's your name? Jessica. Jessica what? Eisenberg. Jewish. Yes, Jewish. Our agency is very concerned about the safety of people in their homes. We know of some volunteer organizations that may come and help you. Help me with what? Oh, well, sometimes when a person is living alone... They need help. Yes, Yes. The help I need would be the help I get from not being alone, but I'm alone. I don't even have a dog. Do you have a dog? Yes, I do. I have a dog. Big? Little? Mutt? Doesn't matter. The nasty thing about dogs is they always die. Just when you've got them living nicely, naps and all, they go right ahead and die, like it was their right. Yes, well, everything... That's my whole entire point of fact. Yes. You say yes a lot. Men must like you. <laughs> Mrs. Winsley, I need to be a little bit upfront with you. According to your daughter, your husband fell in this house and broke his hip. Oh, well, that's just Sandy. She thinks if she says that, that that will help things. Mrs. Winsley, did your husband fall? Did he break his hip? He should have been more careful. Could you take me into the kitchen? The house is safe. Some people... Did you know that in life it's good to be adaptable? Oh, yes, I agree with that, Mrs. Winsley. I'm adapting right now. Can we visit the kitchen? Why would a pretty Jewish girl want to go into my kitchen? You're young. You shouldn't belong in the kitchen. I won't take you into the kitchen. Would you like a marshmallow? Your daughter spoke to me of some food that may have been left out. Some milk. Holy smoky, what does she know? I'm just here to help. We have some volunteers who may be able to come in and help you, Mrs. Winsley. Do you know that what you see here is my life? This is my life. See here? This is barren. Your horse? Used to be. It's just that, Mrs. Winsley, do you see that I have been standing here for this entire visit and I can't find a place to sit? Then you should go. Go somewhere and dance. You're a pretty girl. You should be able to get better work. Mother? Mother. Oh, hello. Hello. I'm Jessica Eisenberg. We spoke on the phone. Yes, I'm Sandra. She's the daughter. Now you're both here. You can leave. Why did you call her? You didn't tell me. I tried 
mother the other night, but you didn't want to hear it the night you thought the shingles were coming on? But I didn't know what it was. How could I know what you had to tell me if you didn't tell me what I had to know? Is the medication working? I don't have intense pain. I have pain, about a five and a half. Mother, I asked Jessica to come by and meet you. She knows of helping organizations, people who are good with organization. At the very least, we need to make you safer. I told Jessica about Dad's fall. What do you know about Dad's fall? Get out! God damn you to hell! Get out of my house! Get out the two of you before I call call someone! And who will you call, Mother? Who will you call? Don't you ask me who I would call. You bring this little person over here, and don't get me at all wrong. You're a very nice little person. I appreciate the Jewish company. Who are you going to call, Mother? Who else in the world cares? Oh, now you're going to raise the voice. I'm not going to raise my voice. You're raising your voice. Mrs. Winsley, I am absolutely only here to help. That's the only intention. Invasion of privacy. Everything you see here is my privacy and you stepped in it. Never mind. This young lady has come over here to help you. She has volunteers, people who will come over Break and- me apart! You think my life is nothing. Like I can just toss it away. Like you tossed that husband away of yours. She stands and starts waving her cane. Don't you. I did not. Toss him away. He left. Walked away. Ran away from what I could tell. You never made time for him. You always, you always inside some theater rehearsing. Staying away from life. Out the door he went and left you a pile of of nothing. A big pile of emptiness he left you in. And that's what you want to leave me with. Nothing is nothing is nothing. I would rather have something. Go away from this house. I can come back another time. Just, no. I think we'll leave. Thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. I'm just beginning. It's okay. You're doing fine. Don't say anything. Your dog will die. Mother, what a sordid thing to say. That's me, sordid. Abby is still standing, holding the cane up high. Jessica exits, then Sandra exits. Abby lowers her cane. Act 2, Scene 4. After the last performance of The Glass Menagerie, Sandra is sitting at the table on the set. Her phone buzzes and she stops it. Moments pass and it buzzes again. She looks at it and stops it. Ty enters. I understand Strike won't be until tomorrow night. Hi. (laughs) Jeffrey gets very indignant about Strike if it doesn't go exactly as he... (laughs) Anyway, he's got strep and he can't be here, so he wants to put it off. Terrific last show. You were... Back at you. There's a party? I know. I think we should go somewhere. (laughs) To Borneo? No, forget it. Too hot. (laughs) Have you ever been to Iceland? No, not been. Have you? No, no, no. It's just somewhere very remote. I hear there are less than 300,000 people in the whole cold place. Okay. After this term is over? I meant now. My mother's shingles have been flaring. She's been calling. I haven't answered. Maybe you should go. Going to Iceland won't exactly solve it, though I would love to go. We could go for a hike into nowhere. Absolute favorite of mine. Okay, okay. Where's Alicia? She went to the party. I'm turning my phone on. Don't ring. Sandra's phone rings. Mother? I've been calling. And calling, I fell down. You fell? 
Don't move. I'm calling an ambulance. No, no, no. No foreign people in here. No intruders. It's not that bad. I can move a little. Just come and help me up. But something might be broken. Nothing's broken. I just can't move. I'm stuck to the floor. You need an ambulance. No, don't you dare. Just come and help me get to my chair. I'm on my way. Sandra punches off. Abby slowly and carefully positions herself on the floor. She pushes some books, boxes over, near where she lay. She affects an act of heavy breathing. I'll come and help. No. No, no. <laughs> I don't think it's serious. I'll get there. Okay. Um, I'll call you from there. I'll let you know. Whatever. Thanks. I'm going. She quickly touches his cheek. Sandra goes out. Ty sits restlessly. In a few seconds, he gets up and exits, moving quickly. Act 2, Scene 5. Sandra makes her way carefully toward the front room. Abby looks around, waiting. Sandra enters. Abby hears her. Here, I'm, I'm here. Oh, let's get you up. How did you... Well, I was looking over at that neighbor. He was parading again. Does this hurt? No. Does this hurt? No, it's just the shingles. I, I couldn't... Hoist myself up. Okay, move your legs. Abby moves her legs vigorously. Good, that's good. I think we can try to get you up. Okay, I can try. Here. Ah, ah! Ooh, no, not that arm. Use the other arm. All right, all right. Sandra attempts to help her, but Abby does it by herself, ahead of Sandra's effort. Holy doodle. You didn't need me to come over here. How do you know what I need? Did you fall? Did you fall? I was on the floor, of course I fell. Did you fall? You don't need to raise a voice. Actually, I do. You used to read to Dad. What does that have to you do? You almost never. I mean, it's a rare thing when the daughter comes to visit, sits, and reads. You did not fall. Did you? <laughs> you know what? It doesn't make any difference. This can't go on. This place is too dangerous, Mother. It killed Dad. I'm not going to say anything. Because you wouldn't let anyone in. Because you wouldn't accept any help. I don't need anyone. Are you serious? Do you hear the words that just came out of your mouth? Dad fell. He was not well to start with after his heart attack. He had to haul that damn oxygen around. And in this... This... And he fell. And he broke his hip. And then he could barely move. And then he became weak. And then pneumonia. He had all kinds of insurance. He was an insurance man. But you turned away the visiting nurse on some ridiculous pretense that you couldn't afford her, but you wouldn't let the visiting nurse come in. This house killed him. You come over here to yell at me? And you, because of your privacy, because of your shame, because of all this, 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 you wouldn't let a... Visiting nurse in here. The sound of the doorbell, barely audible underneath the yelling. And where were you? I am not a nurse, mother. You can't come to my house and insult my house and insult me and insult Someone and insult, has and insult. To. Mickey left, quit, gave up. Dad's dead. I'm the only one left. Do you want me to leave again? Ty enters. He looks around, overtaken by what he sees. Sandra and Abby do not see him. I, I rang the doorbell, but I guess you couldn't hear <laughs> Not you. How did you... I looked up the address. I thought I could... Is your mother okay? Oh, God. What are you doing here? I told you no. Ty, what are you... You you can't be here. You can't... You can't see this. Oh, God, you can't see this. This is no place for you, Ty. You can't be here. I didn't expect... Uh, what did this, you expect? I, I asked you not to. Please. You can't see this. I 
told you not to come. Ty, you, Ty, you need to leave, Tyler. I had no idea. I just wanted to help. No one has any idea. And no, you can't help. God, no, you can't help. Please leave. Please leave. I'm sorry that you, I'm sorry. Why, Why did you come? You have to leave. God, leave. Go, just go. Okay. Please. Okay, I, okay. Ty exits. Sandra slumps on the floor in and around the junk. I found another passage. I have the book, the original Jane Eyre. I just really wanted you to read to me. I've been so uncomfortable, you know, with the shingles and all, and the pain, and that boy that just left, that boy. I guess he got a glimpse of your shameful mother. Well, that's probably a good thing, don't you think? Take him out of that rehearsal Do not, do not call him a boy. Mother, you're clearly not injured. I have to go. Oh, I need to go. I desperately have to go. Act 2, Scene 6. The echoing sound of distorted music. A clash of violins through the following. Lights come up very gradually to reveal the front room, now vacant, except the TV, the TV chair, and a miserable Abby. The TV is on, barely audible. Sandra, book in hand, stands behind Abby. The picture of Baron is on the wall. Now here I am. Nothing. I didn't invite you. Go somewhere. I have nothing. I am like Verlee now, except she at least had a boil on her coccyx. You did this? You and those volunteers? Mother, I thought I would read I don't want you to read anything. Read my obituary. Read that. See if you can read that. I've chosen a passage. I don't want you. I'm reading it anyway. I was in my own room, as usual. You bring me back into a naked house? You pull me away for a day of shopping and a movie of Jane Eyre, which should not be a movie, and a fancy lunch and a fancier dinner, and you bring me back to my whole life? Taken? I told you I don't want you to read. No! I was in my own room as usual. No, 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 I didn't ask for this part. I don't want this part. Just myself, without obvious change. Uh, Nothing had smitten me or scathed me or maimed me, and yet... Where was the Jane Eyre of yesterday? Where was her life? Where were her prospects? Jane Eyre, who had been an ardent, expectant woman, almost a bride, was a cold, solitary girl again. Her life was pale. Her prospects were desolate. I'm closing my ears. Go ahead. Do what you like. A Christmas frost had come at midsummer. A white December storm had whirled over June. A storm of violins is heard, growing louder. Sandra's recorded voice joins the following. 
Ice glazed the ripe apples, drifts crushed the blowing roses. On hayfield and cornfield lay a frozen shroud, lanes which last night blushed full of flowers. Today were pathless with untrodden snow, and the woods, which twelve hours since waved leafy and flagrant as groves between the tropics, now spread waste wild and white as pine forests in wintry Norway. The violins crescendo, and then no sound at all. Abby gradually pulls her hands from her ears. The two are alone. Then the lights bump out. The end. This has been a production of Play for Keeps. Thank you for joining us. 